1: And today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Stock up for the Super Bowl! Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks, lots of snacks. And the pickle bar is indeed second to none. Led by the barrels and the dills, all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Hey, stock up for the Super Bowl tonight. Might snow a little bit on Sunday. You won't have to worry why you'll already be stocked up. You will have already made your trip to Brewers Outlet based on our recommendation. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Well, watch Gary Harris of Michigan State do this few times during the course of my career last night. He was able to knock home the game winner for the Denver Nuggets on our play-by-play call today.
0: Denver's looking for a game winner. Jokic looks in. Jokic looks in. Cross court pass over to Gary Harris for the game winner. Yeah! <laughs> g money
1: knocked it down at the horn. And the Nuggets finally, finally win a game on the last shot. How about that? Now, that's an outstanding call. But do you think that that really stacks up to Doug Birdsong's call on the Kimball McKenzie four-point play?
0: Man, was he loaded with energy in that call Wednesday night. You got it? Do you have it there? Yes, I can find it
1: here. Yeah, why don't you just still... find that? Yep, I got it. And then, go. yeah. Yep. Now this is Doug's call. Bucknell four-point play in overtime by Kimball McKenzie. Fifteen to shoot. Two twenty-five in overtime. Bison with the ball in a three-point lead. Kenzie pulls a string on a three. Big goal. And he was fouled. That spells fouled. Oh my almighty! Ring it up. You may believe Marvel you. Very similar to a huge three hit in the Patriot League Championship against Lehigh. Got fouled by Fox. That will be his fourth. And McKenzie hits the free throw, and he has 15. Now that's another nomination for Call of the Year. Last year's winner of Call of the Year, I think it was a was a football call and an interception return for a touchdown. Do we have that one?
0: Uh don't have that one offhand. I'd have oh, to I'd have bad. to hunt I'd have to hunt for that. I know that was um it was an away football game. Oh man, where was it? Uh, it was down south.
1: No 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 yeah. no no I was trying, oh, I thought, no. Yeah, I was trying no, to think what it, game it was think, what lemmy game was it? But it was one where the play-by-play announcer had incredible uh, foresight and could see the future.
0: Oh, okay. I think I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. I think
1: I think you got that one, don't you?
0: That one I have. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, see, we, we heard the Gary Harris call on the game winner. Doug's on the Kimball McKenzie four-point play this week. And then our football nominee for
0: call of the year... Oh, here we go.
1: ...would be this one.
0: Uh, let's see. Well, I thought I had it. Well, it's a portion of it. Touchdown!
1: levy Close. It's close. It's close. But it's the one, again, where it's just he the clairvoyant moment of being able to see it before the player saw it. Clairvoyant. (laughs) All right, look, you gotta have fun with these things in life. You don't, you know. It's just, you know. Okay, let's bring in uh, the seer of all seers, the sage of all sages, and um, the. I, 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 well, I need to point out that the Super Bowl pick is worth twenty thousand points. <laughs> if, I, if I'm able to win, I would then be Kevin by a point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so far behind, I think I'm first. <laughs> that
2: I think I better let you make your pick first. <laughs>
1: I, I, I'm so far behind. I think I'm first. I'm, I'm standing on that mountainside all by myself, looking around. I think I think I won. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Drink the water.
1: <laughs> oh no! I've got a tournament next year in Cancun, Mexico. So that is not going to be a good advice. We'll <laughs> have plenty of bottled water on that trip. Oh my goodness.
2: Is it true oh. that you bumped me for the Hall of Famer It's Jerry Kramer?
1: Yes, we did. Jerry Kramer in you, gone.
2: <laughs> that's one thing off my bucket list. And I got bumped for a Hall of Famer. So that's
0: cool. <laughs> I got bumped for Jerry Kramer. I'm feeling good. <laughs> you make it sound like we bumped you completely off the show, and of course we did not do that.
2: <laughs> no, it's fine. I,
0: <laughs> no, it's fine.
2: <laughs> I mean, I got bumped for a Boston Globe journalist. That's that's
1: good too. That's
0: fine. Oh, that's right. Now it's <laughs> been two weeks, sir. That's, right. that's right. That's right. We had Nora. <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, that's right. We had Nor audio on last Friday. That's right. That's fine. Right. Mm. This explains okay, all the complaints. It's you know,
2: I don't mind. Well, play. no,
1: we got several emails. This one's from Claire in South Windsor. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Make sure you tell him to be home for supper on time. No excuses. <laughs> no excuses. That's
1: exactly
0: right. <laughs> that means he's home now at four thirty-five.
2: <laughs> That's right. I better have my butt home at four thirty-five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't say he got lost. <laughs>
2: no. No. My car said sixty miles left before empty. That meant I have two hundred and forty more trips to work I can make on sixty gallons, sixty miles. You know
1: what? So. Bill O'Brien when Bill O'Brien was here he yeah. he had a he, um he got a vehicle from Chambers Ford up in uh in Massachusetts. Yep. And it was an explorer. And he said one day he says to me, he said, Hey Jonesy, do you know how much how much uh uh how much gas I bought this month? You know, I said, I don't know, you've been out recruiting, I don't know. He says, None. He says, I'm only huh. averaging he says, because he would lived in Bolsburg. He says, I'm yeah. only averaging he says, eighty miles a month. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs>
2: I mean, with the business, I got to drive a little bit, but outside of yeah. my commute to work is zero, so it's pretty neat. So,
1: oh, yeah, no, that uh, works. All right. So, yeah. is in New England, is there Patriots fatigue, or are they just excited because the Patriots are there again? Um,
2: honestly, a, a lot of people wouldn't mind seeing Philly win. You know. Um Connecticut is not a New England patriot. Connecticut is kind of split between the Giants, the Patriots and the Jets. So
1: Well, I think I mean, both the Jets fans are not happy. I mean
2: Yeah, well, but, but seriously, it's not this is not a it's not a huge haven for the Patriots. I mean, it's predominantly Patriots, but A lot of sentiment is, you know, enough. (laughs) Let somebody else win, you know. They wouldn't mind seeing Philly win. This
1: is what I'm running into here. Now, obviously, on campus, there are a fair amount of Eagles fans. Mm -hmm. Off campus, there are not. Uh, Uh, The Eagles are not a
2: national team. They don't carry nationally.
1: The Patriots do. Off campus, there's just a ton of Steelers fans here. Yeah, on As campus Steelers, it's about half and I half. I would
2: consider a national team. You know that people will tune in to watch the Steelers play a football game, even if they're not a fan. Not necessarily the Eagles. You know, at least not now. If they win a Super Bowl, maybe. But, um,
1: but this is this is what I've been getting. People don't want the Patriots to win. But it really is taking a lot for them to root for the
0: Eagles.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because unless you're an Eagle fan, you know, and and I'll tell you, and I hate saying this, but the Eagle fans, the Eagle from Philadelphia, have a bad rap. You know, like they punch the horses, they beat Santa Claus up, they you
1: know, no, they they beat Santa Claus. They boot Santa huh? Claus. They didn't beat Santa. They boot Santa Claus. They didn't beat him. Or
2: boots, Santa, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've got that. And I know it's a handful of fans. You know, it's not the Philadelphia fan base. I'm sure they're wonderful people, but I'm just saying that's what a lot of radio stations talk about, you know. And right. that translates into, you know, good guy, bad guy type of thing. But, um which I don't believe in, I, especially in today's football world or sports world, the free agency where players bounce all over the place. You know, you're an Eagle this year, you'll be a Charger next year. So, um, I—it's a strange Super Bowl, it really is. But part of the problem is, and it's a headline in the local papers here, that the the, the hard, fast football fan is getting turned off by the sport. So, it'll be interesting to see what the ratings are this year.
1: Well, you know what, though? It's supposed to snow Sunday in the Northeast. So, I think the door is open to more people sitting at home saying, yeah, I'll watch the game.
2: Well, it's on at a good time. I mean, 6.30 Sunday night, you know, that's pretty much, you know, weekend over, you know. You've done, but I don't think the amount of people who will sit in front and watch all the pregame stuff will be there. They've got other things to do. Where other years it was a big party all day long, and I don't think that's the case now. That's just the way I feel. I don't know. I'm not going to watch any of it. And I used to be the one who would sit and watch every minute of it. So,
1: What, the pregame or the
2: yeah the pregame so you know
1: oh, i can i have i stopped watching that years and years ago i i i have no interest at all in pregame talk of course, I sit here 10 hours a week for a living doing
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good statement. <laughs> I don't like to play the hype before games. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, but we have a lot of guests on. We do whatever. But, it's, but I don't have interest in the NFL today, uh, Fox Football Sunday, whatever it's called. I just don't have you know ESPN on Monday night. When the game starts, boom, I'm in. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it very much. Probably I don't know. When the national anthem comes on, twenty after six, whatever it is, that's usually when I start watching. Now remember Sean, this used to drive the suit nuts.
0: It still does. But I felt yeah. this way. Yeah. I'm getting but, more but, and more I, that way.
1: But I just it's I, I I don't want to watch people go around in circles.
0: It's fabricated
2: news. Yeah. It's like they're trying to make up a story that isn't there, you know, and it comes across that way. And fake laughter and okay. jokes that aren't funny, and, you know, they act like they like each other and they probably don't. You know, it, it, I don't. It, they put too much into it and they're, they're ruining their own product. But well, it's still too with, big to destroy, right. so.
1: But right, what's what's happened is this. You have 24-7 everything now, 24-7 mm-hmm. weather, 24-7 news, 24-7 sports. So on their side of it, they need to fill 24-7, and they can't always carry games. I understand that. Right. Now let's take it from Super Bowl Sunday, the network point of view. I paid X amount of millions to carry the game. I have to make up for it. How do I make up for it? Well, I have a 5-hour pregame show in which I sell a lot of commercials and that helps me make up for it because what else was I going to carry? Okay, golf. Now, admittedly, I will watch, admittedly I will watch uh the Waste Management Open for a little while on Sunday, uh, especially since I was just at that course. Uh Roger, uh, Jack, uh Bob and I went out to dinner and Derek went out to dinner at the eighteenth hole at T P C Scottsdale just about a month ago. So just being out there like, hey, cool, I mean I'm gonna watch it because I think it's a fun thing to watch. Then I'll watch the game. But I'm not gonna watch the pregame show. I you know, with no offense who has an NBC. I <laughs> uh, I mean they can run in they can run in all the people you want. Because I, mean, I know the suit, for example, lives and dies on Bill Cower's opinion of the games. Uh, no, he does. Right. I mean, that, that I wasn't saying that to be sarcastic. He does. Right, Sean. I mean, mm-hmm. Cower says something. I mean, the suit. I mean, he really wants to hear it. Yeah. And that's per. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're interested in. But it's also perfectly fine that I'm not interested in it.
2: I got three Hallmark movies taped. Oh, I'm good. Terrific. Yeah, the sweeter side of love, you know. Uh,
1: no, we're getting of to the the time of year, you know. Now it comes time yeah. to pick. Oh, boy. oh,
2: before you do that, we have yeah. one more new listener. My friend Ahmed, I think you met Ahmed. Remember when I worked at Dairy Queen? He yeah. was my manager. Yeah.
1: Oh, I remember. He yeah, lives I in sure North does.
2: Carolina. He called me the other day, so he's listening.
1: So, oh, cool. I yeah. hope he's doing well, well. Great guy.
2: He's a real good guy. Hiya, man. Yep. So, Haven't heard from Dang. him in 25 years.
1: So, oh, that's great.
2: So. Anyway, okay, yeah. go ahead. I forgot about that.
1: So, no, but, I'm glad we mentioned that. That's really great. And by the way, Mary yeah. sent me a really, really nice email this week. Mary, uh, I appreciate it very much. Also, uh uh... Cindy sent a great email this week. Thank you very much. And we've had more and more people like the Facebook page, so we appreciate that very much as well. Mm -hmm. Very much. All right. Now, this is host choice. I will go last.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the only way I have a chance to catch Sean, so whatever Sean picks, I'm going the opposite way just for interest. And, again, this is worth uh, 75,000 points. (laughs) Uh, 74,000 of which to catch Sean, 75,000 of which to catch you.
2: <laughs> I can taste the pickles now,
0: baby.
1: <laughs> I bet you can. We've been trying to work out how to get them to you. So yeah, we, we are—we gotta... wor- actually have been working on that.
0: Yeah. Well. So, King,
1: are you going to you pick or do I have a you want live me to go remote
2: first? here and at either Studio 22 or Studio 305? There you go. <laughs> You know, that would go over real we can well
1: with the <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Uh, so who, who's, your, who's your choice and why? Who, me? Yeah, you get to go first because yours is okay. the, the intelligent, but in this case for competition, irrelevant pick.
2: Yeah, well, I've thought about it all week and I've gone back and forth and I've been on the Phillies bandwagon since about the third or fourth week of the season. I love the way they play football. That's was going to coach a team, I would coach it that way. They could run the ball with three different backs. That being said, I weigh everything out and I heard somebody talk about it today, Troy Brown, and it really put an exclamation point on how I feel. The team whose players let their athletic ability take over and just go out and play the game will win the game. And I think that the Patriots are very comfortable in this situation, and I think Tom Brady has shown that no lead is insurmountable to him. He can win a football game if he's down by 28 points. He can win that game if he's got the ball. I'm
0: going to take the Patriots. Uh, See, I'm the exact same way. I mean, it just seems like... Out of all the- co- of all the coverage I've been watching all week long, I'm just seeing Eagles all over the place. I mean, the Patriots are on the down low they they've been in this scenario before they they know how to handle it. I mean, I would love to see the Eagles win. I really would, but I just think in this scenario that this is this stage is set perfectly for the Patriots as much as it pains me to say that um I've got the Patriots.
1: Fly They're Eagles fly. Man, I to <laughs> Fly Eagles fly. I'm picking the Eagles to win. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I, I,
2: I, but, I'll that, but I'll tell you you. the Eagles name. just got a dagger on their back. But I'll tell you okay, the name I that am, keeps
0: resonating is when, when I, you I, spoke when you spoke with Ruben Frank and you mentioned Fletcher Cox, he can be a big game breaker on Sunday night. Yeah. If they can get that inside pressure on Brady, that's gonna be big. Well, I mean,
1: okay, Philadelphia. Now, if Carson Wentz is playing, I would feel swagger confidence in picking Philadelphia. I think he's that good.
2: They would be favored.
1: Yes. Um, now... If Sean picked the Eagles, I would have picked the Patriots. <laughs> I could have had to pick
2: opposite. He's got two papers in front of him.
1: <laughs> well, I think you know exactly how many papers I have in front of me.
2: No, I know you got no papers, but they're in your head. Whatever.
1: Here we go. This this is why. Let's just say let's justify the pick as a pick besides just picking against Sean and burying him into the turf. Thank you. <laughs> dilly dilly. And, Okay, and this goes, comes down to three players defensively. Timmy Jernigan, I know he's been sick. Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, and Malcolm Jenkins. That triumphant is a little bit different than what New England has faced. And when Brady has been ineffective, it has been when he's been able to have people come up to And let's be honest, every quarterback becomes ineffective when pressure comes straight up the middle at them. Every quarterback does. You know, most quarterbacks are great where there's a little bit of edge pressure. They can step to the side, step up, so forth. When it's in your face, you can't really do that. You have to try and escape. Cox has had a great postseason and a great season. Jernigan's been really good. It's going to be coming on the Patriots offensive line to get to them. And then there's the chess piece of Malcolm Jenkins. He is this year's Troy Polamalu. Because he plays all over the place, and you have to keep track of where he is at all times. Offensively, Foles is an issue. There's is no getting around it. I don't care what he did in the NFC Championship game. I mean, that gives. I think that's that's either he's on a roll or fool's gold, and he's going to have to play well. And it, my recommendation would be to Philadelphia as follows: don't play it close to the vest. Just go out and go for it. Be aggressive all day, and I expect Doug Peterson to be an aggressive play call all day. Just go for it, and expect to see a de- and expect to see a defense that New England has not run all season. Some form of it, some coverage, some form something. New England will do something different that you haven't seen yet defensively, because that's what Bill Belichick does. He will put in specific defenses. It was great if you watched the thirty for thirty last night. The two Bills they were talking about the championship run of the Giants in 1986 in which they beat the 49ers they beat the um, Redskins and then they finally beat the Broncos. They used three different defenses in each game.
2: Belichick is a master at these games. He will take your strength away and make you beat you with what you don't want to do. He's a master at it.
1: I also think this Doug Peterson, just be Doug Peterson. Go for it, and don't give a darn who's standing over the other side. Just play your game, and don't think about what who's over there and what he does.
2: Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I'm saying though, that you got to do it yeah. that way. If you, you you can't go in and go, oh boy, look who's over there. Well, the second you do yeah, that, well, you're that, looking that's over that's there and not saying. looking on
2: the yeah. All right, the Super Bowl's there you go. An issue. Okay. Good luck, guys. May the best man win.
1: Lots of pickles at stake here. Mm. Yes, sir. Again, (laughs) 120,000 points to the winner. (laughs) I had to recalculate. I'm further behind than I thought.
0: Patronage. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Great to have you with us today with the Super Bowl coming up. Time to stock up at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers. Water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar is indeed second to none, led by the barrels and the dills. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And I am in the Sunbury Motors Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And uh, Jerry Kramer finishing up another interview as we speak. He will join us in just a few moments. As tomorrow's going to be a big day. It is uh, for him. I mean, he's waited. He's had other opportunities. The uh, door hasn't opened yet. And I think, as everyone knows, and I've mentioned this for years on the show, this is not something that's. So oh, we're going to have Jerry on. So I'm going to promote that. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I've said it for decades that he should be in the Hall of Fame. When I've had other shows and previously just in, in in interviews about the Hall of Fame, usually I've mentioned his name saying that's a guy that has been left out that should be in. Uh, I hope, sincerely, tomorrow people see what I remember watching when I watched him play.
0: And I've talked to some football players, this, uh, football fans this week, Steve, that um, I think they just automatically assume that, that wait, I, I thought, jerry was in the hall of fame and that they're right. shocked that he's not in
1: right and it's it's uh you know it's always bothered me he hasn't been in because i just again i don't like for example and I, and look we've had peter king on the show before and so forth and they don't look at it this way
0: okay we're hoping to get back in touch with steve at the sunbury motor studio But we do have Jerry Kramer on the line from Minnesota, so hopefully uh, once we uh, get the connection with uh, Steve uh, back in the Sunbury Motor Studio, we'll have Steve join in the conversation. But uh, very pleased to uh, join us here on the show is uh, legendary Green Bay Packer uh, Jerry Kramer, who's checking in from Minnesota. Mr. Kramer, good afternoon. How are you?
3: I'm doing great, thanks. I'm freezing my tush a little bit out here in Minnesota, but... Uh, it's a lot of uh, activity and a lot of good folks out here and old friends and got the family with me, so life
0: is good. <laughs> so you've spent a lot of time in Idaho. I would think for it gets cold in Idaho from time to time.
3: Yeah, it does. It does, but uh, not as bitter, not as penetrating. It's below zero with a significant wind. Chill factor must be minus 15 or 20, something like that. But it is bitter cold. That wind just uh, bites you when you go out. And uh, and the Idaho winters are a little calmer and a little little, uh, less wind. And uh, sometimes the sun comes out. (laughs) And I'm prejudiced.
0: Tell us about, uh, give us a great uh, memory about uh, your time with uh, Vince Lombardi with the Packers.
3: Uh, There's so many wonderful moments and memories and things Uh, the biggest thing he did, of course, was uh, give me a severe chewing and then tell me I was going to be one of the best guards in football and that I could be, and, and encouraged me that he believed in me and um, approved. And uh, so I started working overtime and all the time and every time and trying to become perfect and uh changed my life uh it's really a wonderful uh, uh thing I, I i wasn't aware of approval being that powerful i had no idea that belief would make that kind of difference but it certainly made a difference in my life and i think in virtually every guy on our team one way or another uh coach lombardi practices psychology on them and i Know that Herb Adderley was telling us a while back that he came off the field one day and Coach Lombardi ran up to him and said, "Herb, you have just played the finest game I ever saw a cornerback play, the best ever. Take that with you from now on." Herbie said for the rest of his career, whenever he got on the field, he wanted to play the best game a cornerback had ever played. So that's the kind of uh, and we 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 trained and we did the plays and and we. We weren't very tricky with our plays. Everybody knew Coach Hallis had the great comment. He said, we knew what they were going to do, we knew where they were going to do it, and we knew when they were going to do it. We just couldn't do anything about it. So we practiced and practiced and practiced, and then with the determination and the will and the fire and the burn, uh, we executed. So uh, that's part of the the puzzle.
0: I think football fans across the country, they just for people that love football in general just uh, love the mystique of Lambeau Field. Just talk about how it was just, just step not only just playing for Lombardi but just stepping out onto Lambeau Field.
2: Well, it, it
3: I had no history of Lambeau when I arrived there but I'll tell you what my last game was like I really didn't understand the fans, and I was hanging out with the guys and doing most of the stuff with the guys, and I'd sign a few autographs, but I really and when I'm playing on the field, I see the guy across from me. I don't even see the sidelines. I don't see anybody on the edge of the field or in the stands or anywhere else, and very little awareness, and except after a play, you hear some applause maybe when you come off the field or run back on it or come out at halftime you hear things, but uh, generally, there's, there's just not a Lot of penetration there, and we're playing Baltimore the last game of the season. And Coach Lombardi is the general manager. And uh, we're a ho oh, so so season, but we have to win this last game to have a chance. And there's got to be a plane wreck and a train wreck and a whole bunch of other things to happen for us to get in the playoffs. But uh, we, we're gonna we're gonna win and we're gonna get in the playoffs. And we get the ball with three four minutes to go, and we start marching down the field just. Bing, bang, bing, bang, tearing up pieces of dirt and moving down the field and looking like we always did and knew we were going to win and we fumbled. And they recovered. And you look up at the clock and there's about a minute and 40 seconds left to go. And you go, oh, it's over. It's over. I start off the field kind of slow, and then I kind of trot, and I hear this applause coming from the stands. And I go, it's over. It's all over. We're we're going to lose. We're not going to be in the playoffs. And the applause grows and grows and grows. And when I get to the sidelines, the whole stadium is standing up applauding. And I go, what in the – oh, Oh, they know. They knew what I knew. They knew the moment I knew that it was over. And they're saying thank you for yesterday, for all the years, for all the victories, for all the effort. Wow. I didn't know the fans were that sophisticated. (laughs) I didn't know that they really followed the game that closely. So I got a whole new awareness and appreciation for the fans at that time. And I've been trying to pay them back for 50 years and I haven't gotten close. They they are just sensational. They're true sportsmen. Uh, more so than just football fans. Uh, the opponent comes to town and there's no hassle. If an opponent jersey comes into a place where the people are hanging out, they're Packers. It's, hey, I hope you have a nice uh, trip. I hope you enjoy the game. Uh, it's civil. And it's just wonderful. So I I can go on about the Packer fans for the rest of the year, but never get it done properly.
1: Uh, Jerry, Steve Jones, a pleasure to have you with us. a privilege, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, Penn State played Maryland, and Jack Hamm and I, my broadcast partner, and I were driving back. We were talking about Andy Russell. And I said, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And Jack, of course, he said he learned more about playing linebacker from him in the pro level than anybody. And then we both said, you know what? Jerry Kramer should be in the Hall of Fame. So you got a lot of people out there that want you there, just like I, obviously you want to be there. When you look over the years, you've written several books. What did it take for you to write those books? How difficult was it along the way? And because of experience, did the last couple become easier?
3: Yes, Uh, to answer your last question first, it definitely made a difference once you'd uh, had some success. The the doubt and the uncertainty and um, the brand new uh, world uh, was kind of uh, daunting for a while. And, I, you know, we're big football players, and big football players are supposed to be stupid And most people think they are, as I think, a defense mechanism primarily because they're smaller and and they're not physically superior, so they have to be mentally superior to be superior. So they give you a lot of (laughs) grief about it. But Dick called me one day and said, do you want to do a book? What do you mean do a book? Write a book. I said, Dick, what do I know about writing a book? He says, I'll tell you what we'll do. you will get a tape recorder. You'll record your actions, your thoughts, your reflections, your schedule, your teammates, everything about it, and I'll transcribe it into um, words, and we'll make a book out of it. And I said, who gets final say? He said, you do. I said, let's talk. So we went to New York and talked with the publisher, and I... There was probably eight or ten people in the room, Dick and I, and the agent and uh, publisher and several other folks. And So I asked the publisher, I said, what uh, is good for a book? Uh, What do we have to do to do good? Because I want to do good. I don't know what it is, but I want to do it. And he said, Jerry, sports books traditionally don't sell. They uh, have been uh, difficult, and if we do, Oh, 7,500 to 10,000 books, we'll do good. We'll do real good. I said, okay, okay, I got a target now. So I was able to do, uh, went back to Green Bay and started thinking about the book, and then I uh decided I had to be very flowery with my language and use big, long words and be very, very wordy. And that lasted about three days, and my little sub says, Hey, fat boy, it is what it is, and you is what you is.
2: <laughs> just,
3: just tell it like you believe it to be, and you see it, and be dead honest with it, and you won't have to answer any questions about it. So I changed my strategy a little bit and tried to be as dead honest as I could be. And... uh Got to meet some really interesting people like Flip Wilson and Jackie Suzanne and Norman Mailer and Gore Vidal and Tiny Tim and on and on and on (laughs) and the book sold 440,000 copies the first year. Yeah. Yeah, We're on the bestseller list for 44 weeks and so yes, it was much easier to do the second book after that kind of a reception.
1: Uh, speaking of books, there was at one point where uh, Joe Paterno looked at me and he said, are you reading any books lately? Because he said he was reading something about Winston Churchill. And I said to him, I said, well, I just finished reading When Pride Mattered. And Joe said, hey, you know, I'm in that book, which showed the pride he felt in, in having any relationship with Vince Lombardi. He said Lombardi, when he was around him before a preseason game, was really nervous. And I guess that's the way Lombardi was all the time. Quite in particular... Often. In particular, with Super Bowl One, with not just carrying the weight of the Green Bay Packers, but the NFL, did you sense that even more so?
3: You know, I, there was certainly a, a, a tension in the in the room and in the meetings and everything, and the fines uh, were escalated from five hundred dollars to five thousand dollars. Uh, for sneaking out or missing curfew or those kind of things. So that was the obvious impact, and so everybody knew he was serious. But you didn't know about nerves, right? And uh, when I found out really how nervous Coach Lombardi was prior to Super Bowl One, was from Frank Gifford. Uh, Giff and I were talking a year later, and he said, Jerry, I, I knew there were two networks, uh broadcasting the game, so I'm trying to be cool. I put my hand on Coach Lombardi's shoulder, and he's shaking like a leaf. He's just shaking. Yeah. And I go, wow. And he, uh, Because Coach Lombardi was so nervous, then I got nervous, and I started worrying about things. But uh, yeah, he had a lot of pressure on him, uh, some of the other owners had called him, and Ask him to embarrass the AFL. There was some animosity there in the early stages. And so he felt like he had a great burden on his back, and he was not only representing the Green Bay Packers, he was representing the whole National Football League. So I think he was quite nervous.
1: Uh, You actually uh, were the 39th overall pick in the draft, which meant you were like a third or fourth round pick then. This year, that this time you'd be a second round pick. But the first year with the Packers, you only won a game. And then he comes in and he takes over. Eventually he made a statement, I don't know if it was to you or to somebody else, Jerry Kramer doesn't know how good he really is. When that got back to you in one form or another, what did that do for the confidence in your career and in your life?
3: Coach Lombardi said that, actually. and it wasn't to me, it was maybe to a uh, writer or someone, but uh, he, t- he took me aside. He gave me a severe chew, and uh, I had scrimmage, goal line, 100 degrees, 98% humidity, uh, physical error, I missed a block, and four plays later, I jump off sides, and a physical <laughs> block is one thing, and a uh, mental block. Block or a mental error is just unacceptable. We can have some. We have some control over that, so we shouldn't do that. So he comes running across the field and uh, gets about ten inches from my nose, and he goes, "Mister, the concentration period of a college student is five minutes. High school is three minutes. Kindergarten is thirty seconds. And you don't have that. So where's that put you?" Oh it put me checking my shoe shine, and
2: uh,
3: <laughs> things ended fifteen minutes later. scrimmage ended, and went up to the locker room and uh went down to the end of the locker room to my locker and shook my shoulder pads and helmet off, put my chin on my hand my elbow on my knee, and I'm um, checking the design of the carpet for about forty five minutes, <laughs> yeah. and wondering what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life uh never going to be able to play for this guy and uh, it's time to get out of this and i'm going to another team or maybe it's maybe i'm time to get out of football you know it's a lot of guys are leaving earlier the salary wasn't sensational at that time and uh, so i'm sitting there contemplating my future and he walks in comes down the room to my locker messes up my hair pats me on the head son one of these days you're going to be the best garden football and he let me know that he approved of me that he believed in me and he wasn't a man that dealt in idle chatter he was a pretty serious human being and uh so if he believed in me then I could believe in me and it changed my life uh and virtually everything in it I uh, developed a totally different philosophy and attitude and I tried to play the perfect game Uh, never quite got there but got close but uh, from that point on, and that, that has stayed with me after football. I kept a picture up of, of him up on my uh, wall above my desk at my office at home. And uh, that picture was taken by a photographer who enroached on Coach Lombardi's territory. And t- Coach turned around and looked at him, and he was clearly out of position he was way too close and coach gave him the ugliest look you could ever imagine and certainly the one worst one he could bring up and the guy shot the photo oh i love the photo i just said seen him angry a number of times so i got me a big blow up of it and put it over my desk and every time i said i'll get it done i'm gonna make the call i'll get the i'll take care of that I'd look up there and see him, and then I'd make the call, or I'd do my chores, or I'd do whatever <laughs> I was supposed to do. And We always know we should do something, but coulda, woulda, shoulda, wish I had a gun a butt yeah. always comes along, too. So he kept me, kept me going for a long time.
1: Uh, two last things. One of them would deal with color guard and cancer, of course, but the other one's going to deal with, just very quickly, when you broke the huddle in the ice bowl, did you think Chuck Mursin was getting the ball?
3: No. For some reason, uh, after you that play, was gonna I sneak turned it? around. I'm sorry?
1: I said you thought Bart was going to sneak it, really.
3: I, after the play was over, I turned around and looked for Bart. I, I turned back to my right and looked for Bart. I didn't look for Chuck. Uh, Chuck thinks everybody heard it. Maybe Bart said on the way up to the line of scrimmage, "Jerry, I'm going to keep the ball." But I, and I don't know for sure. But I felt that Bart was going to keep the ball. It seemed like it. That was something I knew, and so I looked for him. I didn't look for Chuck. Okay. Uh, so I, you know, I had suggested that play, uh, and on Thursday, short yardage films, Jethro was high he made a mistake that he'd made 3 weeks before and the 3 games before that game he was up high so i mentioned to coach lombardi that we could run the wedge if we had to and he goes what? <laughs> i said <says>, we can <laughs> run the wedge if we have to on um, you no, 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 we we'll run it back that's right put in the wedge so wow. you didn't deal with him with idle chatter you know you didn't make chit chat mm. you better had something to say and something that was important if you're going to uh, bother him so yeah I uh, I felt that uh, I still feel that way and I've talked to Chuck about it recently in fact Chuck was at lunch today and we were together a month ago on Green Bay for the Ice Bowl evening and spent uh, several days together and uh he was. He, his memory is that everybody heard it. My memory is I was looking for Bart. Yeah. So I guess it'll go down that way. And also, yeah. I was not off sides. I was oh, uh, no. had a great. I had a great start, and I came off the ball extremely well, and I made made the block. So.
1: No, you story. know what? I never once thought that. I thought you just shot off the, the off the ball and just got him. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I really did. Uh, finally, uh, cancer and color guard. how important is for all of us to make sure, especially men, that we are on track with that?
3: Well, you really don't need to take these tests if you don't want to live. Uh, but if you're interested in living. Uh, then it's really a good idea. This is a medical advancement that does a DNA on your excretions. And... It's, you can be, you can do this in the privacy of your bathroom or your bedroom. There's, it's non-invasive. It's just put it in a little package and send it in, and the doc uh, analyzes the DNA. And if you have cancer cells in your stool, then you need to call the doc and go see him. If not, you're fine. But we lose 50,000 people a year to colon cancer. And if you want to know more about it, our website is colonguardtest dot com and it is the bright thing to do and it's the right thing to do.
1: Jury, thank you so much for that. That's valuable. I hope everyone understands how important it is. I wish you nothing but the best tomorrow. You've got, really, so many people rooting for you. You may not realize it, and it was a privilege for me to talk with you today. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.